What's up, everybody? It's time for another Full Draw Friday. This one is number 14. Today I was reading an article by Zach Vukurovich, which I'm sure I butchered that name, so I'm sorry for that. But it's in NDA's Quality Whitetails periodical that they put out. And I've been wanting to talk about hinge cutting with Nate because I know he's got some projects coming up where he's going to be doing some of that. So I'm going to wait and get more into it with him. But this was about hinge cutting. We might use this article when we come back to it. So this will be kind of a part one on hinge cutting. This will be just a little bit of like when to do it uh, based off of what I've seen and then what I read from Zach in this article, which I thought was pretty good. So that's what we're going to talk about today on Full Draw Friday number 14. Okay, so really what we're going to cover today is going to be when to do when to hinge cut because a lot of times it seems it's almost like burning or it's like a cure-all for people. It, it's definitely overused in my opinion, but there are also a lot of places where it can be beneficial. And a lot of times when we do consultations and stuff, we do recommend hinge cutting in areas for different reasons. And we'll go over a few of those here, like I said, based on the article and then based on uh, what we've seen, what we like to do. The first one that Zach mentioned is what he calls closed edges. And he says, I describe closed edge as a section of trees hinge cut in a row, all hinging in the same direction, whether along a field edge or confined within a woodlot. This technique is a wonderful way to encourage predictable deer movement patterns to get them within range of your stand. So essentially what he's talking about is creating some sort of travel corridor or closing one off and uh, funneling deer around a certain area. So if you've got a trail that comes out or several trails that come out into a field, let's say, you hinge some trees, all fall them and fell them all in the same direction, and now you've got this wall of hinge cut trees where the deer are going to have to go around it, and maybe that sends them by your stand instead of any one of those trails that they could have come out on. That would be what he's talking about there with the field edge is basically creating a travel corridor. Another way would be, say you have several trails running in the same direction, you want to, and it's in a big woodlot, you don't really have anything but timber. A good way to create a funnel would be to do some hinge cutting on either side of that trail, uh, kind of create your own trail run it down to like 20 yards across or something and set your stand on that. And then you kind of created a natural funnel with those hinge cuts. And the reason you would hinge cut instead of just fallen trees when you're doing that is so you'll have that growth. The idea behind the hinge cutting is leaving enough of the trunk intact that you're still going to get nutrients and water and all that to the rest of the tree, to the branches and stuff. So it'll still have some forage for the deer. It'll still have leaves on and it won't be brittle and and break off and all that stuff so it'll stay green for several years if you do it right that's kind of the idea that that's why you would want to do that for those cases and for all these i'm talking about instead of just cutting down trees another place you might do it would be to create a bedding area or inside an area maybe that they're already bedding a little bit that you want to thicken up a little bit and this is something that we recommend a lot of times when we're talking about hinge cutting it is for bedding because what you'll see a lot of times is a big patch of timber that's pretty much a monoculture. Whether, even if it's some diversity of types of trees, 
essentially at the forest floor, there's nothing. There's too much canopy. There's no sunlight getting to the ground. So it's all just kind of one big open wood lot. And if we're wanting to bed deer in there, we're going to have to give them some kind of cover, some kind of browse. So a somewhat easy way to do that, if you do have some younger timber in it, is to do some hinge cutting. Now, obviously, with that, especially in that situation, you're still going to have to cut some trees out. And Zach recommends, he says the goal should be 80% sun exposure. Of the trees that you cut, no more than 25% of them should be hinged. So that's kind of what I'm talking about there. You're going to want to cut, you're going to have to more than likely cut down some trees, which a lot of guys don't like to do. But honestly, if all you have is big mature timber, you're not doing your deer any favors. They're not going to use that that often. They're definitely not going to be bedding in it. So you're going to have to cut some trees down. And then, like he says, 25% of the trees should be hinged. No more than that, which I think is probably a good number. So you're going to get in there after that. Once you've got some sunlight to the ground, that 80%-ish number. Then you can go in there and hinge some to give the deer some extra cover. One thing you don't want to do, and of course that's going to give them browse too. That's big on bedding and that I think gets missed a lot. We just think about cover. But you got to give them something to browse on too. A lot of times that goes hand in hand. Sometimes it does not, especially when you're talking about planting grasses and stuff like that, uh, that the deer aren't going to eat. It might give them cover, but they're still not necessarily going to bed in it because they do get up and feed out of their beds several times a day. So one thing you want to avoid when you're doing those hinge cuts, and that's why I think the 25% number is probably a pretty good number, is making it too thick so the deer can't get out of there. Now, that's that's going to be just ease of access for the deer to get in and out, and it's also going to be helping them avoid predation. So especially with the fawns, if the does leave them in there and it's really thick, they're going to think they're pretty safe. So they just leave them in there, and then you have a predator come in, that fawn has nowhere to go now because you've hinged so many trees that there's no easy way out. Maybe there's only one way in and out, and the predator's got that one covered. So you're basically just serving those deer up for coyotes, bobcats, whatever it is, or whatever is in your area, if you make it too thick for the deer not to have a way out. So you got to think about that too. You can definitely overdo it. You don't want it to be so thick that the deer can't move through it pretty freely. And you can do that while still giving them plenty of cover. So the last one he talks about, last one I'll hit on today for when to do it, is going to be along field edges. So he says if you can't resist the temptation to plant your food plots right up to the tree line, you might consider dropping or hinging a few trees outside into the field itself. This is basically the reverse of what we try to do, which uh, some guys call edge feathering. We would call creating a soft edge. You don't really want the hard edge where you're just going from open field or open food plot right into the timber. You're going to want some kind of edge there where it transitions, whether that be from open field to grasses and some brush, then into the timber, or like what he's talking about, if you do this hinge cutting, you're basically going to drop the trees out into the field, and that's going to create trees that are perpendicular to the wood line, with some forage on them, it's going to be kind of like the brush situation, and then obviously you're going to have some grasses grow up into it. So instead of maybe bringing your edge into the woods, you're bringing the woods out into the edge, if that makes sense. So you can hinge those trees out into the field, and then that creates your edge instead of just leaving whatever it is, 10 yards, 15 yards on the edge of the field to grow up naturally into whatever it's going to do. Now you're going to have those trees laying out there doing the same thing, coming out of the woods instead of going into the woods. And then you're not worried about thinning out anything in the woods to kind of create that edge, softer edge, a little deeper maybe. Um, 
you're just hinging those trees out into it and then letting them do their thing. You're going to have to still maintain that a little bit. At some point, it's going to start to get too thick. Uh, at some point, those hinge-cut trees are going to die. That's one of the biggest deterrents to uh, hinge-cutting in the wrong situation is that once you do it, it's pretty permanent. It's going to take 10, 15 years for that to be gone if you don't have a way to get those trees out of there. Um, and that can cause a lot of problems in a lot of different situations, and we'll probably talk some more about that when we do the the second part of this hinge-cutting talk that we're going to do. I guess when I bring Nate in, we'll talk more about that, and we'll talk about why he's wanting to do it, what his goals are. And then we'll get into more of how to do it as well, because that's a big thing. you got to be safe when you're doing it. You want to hinge the right trees, do it at the right time of year. There's a lot that goes into that. That'll be a whole nother podcast that we talk about. Like I said today, I just wanted to cover some times when you would want to consider doing it. Those are three big ones to me. I think he hit on some of the biggest ones that um, that we normally recommend. Like I said, probably the biggest is talking bedding areas. The second one I would say is creating those travel corridors. Um, another time when you wouldn't want to do it as far as like a uh, travel corridor, you're thinking along those lines of cover. If you're trying to create a way into your stand with some cover, hinge cutting is not the way to do that because you're just going to encourage those deer to hang out in those areas. So now you're walking right by the deer and you're blowing them all out on the way into the stand as opposed to using something like a switchgrass or something like that because those generally are going to bed not as specifically as, as bucks. They're going to bed close to food wherever that may be. So if you're coming off a field and you've hinge cut this row of trees to get into your stand because it's cover, there's probably going to be does bedded up because they've got browse readily available and it's cover for them as well and they're close to the field edge. So you're going to bump those deer on your way into the stand. So you want to avoid that as well. But like I said, we will talk more about that on the next one when we talk about hinge cutting. And hopefully we'll have Nate in here for that. He'll, he'll talk about his project that he's going to do. Uh, it's in some timber. He's got some ideas on why uh, he wants to do that. And we'll cover all that stuff. So it'll be this will be a two-parter. This will be part one of that. We'll talk more about it. I There's so much to cover in it. And I try to keep these full draw Fridays a little shorter, as you guys know. So that's why I'm going to break it up. And I definitely want to get Nate in here to talk about it. So that's going to be all I got on hinge cutting for today on part one. If you guys ever have any questions, too, about any of that stuff, you can always contact us on our social media or through our website, richhunteroutdoors.com. I think there's a message box on there you can send us. There's also contact info where we have an email and all that. So if you guys ever have any questions or comments about anything we talk about, feel free to reach out. And, you know, I'd love to do some more Q&A podcasts as well. Um, now on to the business side for the podcast. If you guys listened to last week, you know we do have a partner for Full Draw Friday now, and that's Rodney Hawkins. If you're looking for a piece of ground to manage and hunt and maybe do some hinge cutting on, Rodney's the guy to talk to. He grew up hunting and fishing in southern Illinois, and now he's putting that love for the outdoors into selling recreational properties as a land specialist for Midwest Farm and Land. If you guys don't know who Midwest Farm and Land is, they're not your average real estate company. They focus on recreational properties. Last year, selling over $85 million worth of ground. They've got agents like Rodney all over Illinois, so they're really a local company with a national reach. For more information on them or any properties that Rodney may have, or just to talk to him about what you're looking for, you can get a hold of him at 618-925-3153, and he'll get you taken care of. Rodney's also got a new company star, uh, that he recently started called RG Outdoors. They've got hard and soft shell blinds by and blind chairs from Red X Blinds. 
in addition to an all-natural scent elimination product called Camo Dust, which you can get more info at at CamoDust.com. I haven't actually used that one. But for the blinds, Nate's got one of those soft, soft-sided uh, Red X blinds that he used this season, and uh, he was really happy with it. He talked about it a little bit on the last podcast at the end there. If you're interested in anything they have to offer, you can send them a message to their Facebook page, RG Outdoors, or email them at rgoutdoors at yahoo.com. Or again, you can call Rodney directly at 618-925-3153. So we're excited to have him partnering with us on the podcast. We're going to have him in on our normal episode at some point to talk about everything he's got going on, maybe some ways to get you guys into some properties. Um, we're pretty excited about that too. So otherwise, you guys can support us, ridgehunteroutdoors.com. Use the discount code FULLDRAW if you see anything on there you like. Uh, you get 10% off. Frost seeding time is here when it comes to clover. We've got our clover and chicory blend with some alfalfa mixed in there. You guys want some of that, use that discount code. You'll get 10% off of it. We've used it a lot. I actually, the reason I started mixing that myself because I wasn't really finding a blend that I liked on the market. So we started doing our own. I kind of got it where we like it for the certain seeds that we like. It's got white clovers in it. Like I said, it's got alfalfa in it, and it's got 10% chicory as well. So a little bit higher chicory content than you're going to see in some other clover and chicory blends. So if you want some of that to do your frost seeding with, or if you're going to do some new clover plots this this spring, use that discount code FULLDRAW. That's all caps, no spaces, and you get 10% off that. Again, you can use that for anything on the website that you see. Also, we're still doing our review or giveaway on Apple Reviews, Apple Podcasts. So if you leave us a review there, we'll pick, after we hit 25, we'll pick one of the 25 uh, randomly, and they'll win a Wild Game Innovation Spark 2.0 trail camera package. It's valued at like 90 bucks, so it takes maybe a couple minutes to do. Once you get on Apple Podcasts, just go down there, one star, five stars, whatever it is. And now it gets you entered in that. Also, follow us on Spotify if this is where you listen to it. That way you know when stuff comes out. Same way on YouTube. Subscribe, like, comment on any videos there that you like. We're going to have some more stuff coming out this spring. Pretty excited. Looking forward to that, getting into the the management stuff and the food plots and all that and getting some more content out there for you guys. Also, before we get out of here, congrats to all the winners in the Big Buck Contest. Uh, Ryan Buchanan won. I don't have the score in front of me. It was right around 155-inch, 9-point. Aaron Dahmer was in second place with 151 and some change inch deer. Really nice buck. Uh, Jeff Mitchell came in third place with his deer. I think he was right around 140 inches. And then kind of by default, uh, Tyler Kiefer won our favorite buck award. We had five awards to give out. We had four bucks turned in. So he won that one. Uh, He shot a really nice buck, 135-inch, 8-point, I believe. He might have been a 9-point. So congrats to all of them. Thanks to everybody who participated in that again this year we will do it again next year gonna make a few more changes trying to get it make it better every year and kind of hone in on what exactly we want to do with it so this is just our second year but really happy with the turnout and the participation so thank you guys if you joined in on that and thank you guys for listening to this every week appreciate all you guys who tune in over and over i kind of mentioned it last time we hit a new record for downloads last month on the podcast which was pretty exciting Fell just short of the goal that I had set at the beginning of the season. Uh, I think we missed it by less than 10. So really happy with that. Really want to say thanks to everybody who's tuning in every week and all the new ones as well. So thanks, guys, for listening this week, and we will catch you again next Friday.